0: Lord is good. I had the privilege. I was so thrilled this morning uh, with the direction that God had us to go. Um, I asked for some audience participation, and I was so thrilled to see how the response was. We asked this morning, "What did Jesus? What did Jesus tell us about the Holy Spirit?" And I was thrilled with the response. I was thrilled to see how many people were were educated and aware of things that Jesus has taught us about the Holy Spirit. And um, we talked about a few of those in our session this morning. And so I don't want to have to try to recapitulate everything that we covered this morning. Please go back and watch it on the YouTube channel or it will be coming out Soon on the podcast, but we talked about some of the most important parts where he deals with us individually, how that the Holy Spirit is our teacher, how that what he has to teach us is vital. There are things we cannot enter into without these things that only he can teach us. There are things that we need his explanation for, that we need his drawing it out for us, and giving us the foundation of those concepts so that we can live in them and walk them out. And so um, we found out that we have a part in how we learn from him, that we need to become, all of us can and should become better students because we have the greatest teacher in the Holy Spirit, that Jesus said, I will send him to you. So that right there makes him an honored guest in our hearts. Honored, honored that Jesus, the one who purchased us and cleansed us and set us free, has sent to us. So I need to give him the the opportunity to speak. I need to give him my attention. I need to inquire of him. What do you think about this, Holy Spirit? Because he's such a gentleman, he will not interrupt me. And if I'm doing all the talking, he will just sit back and wait until I'm done. And if I learn to ask the right questions, that's what a good student does. I I learn to ask the right questions. I learn how to ask a question that uh, opens him up and lets him see my interest and see my hunger. And I shared with you this morning that, you know, a lot of the reason that in my journal... In my journal, I, I take my journal when I'm in Pastor Caldwell's presence. Whenever we have the opportunity to travel with them and he says, would you like to meet us for lunch? Would you like to meet us for dinner? I pull my, out of my purse comes, comes, uh, and I open it up and I've got my pen and I'm ready. And whenever wisdom starts flowing, I'm writing. And so I've learned to ask questions. I've learned to ask questions. I, I asked Dr. Savell a question, and he, he gave me a whole page full of notes. Just, just one question. While he's there just relaxing after a service, fellowshipping, I asked a question about longevity in ministry, and he gave me, he gave me uh, exactly how God taught him to have stability and longevity in ministry. But if I'd never asked the question, if we, if we just sat around and talked about the biscuits. You know, if we just sat around and talked about the weather. If we just sat around and talked about natural things. But the moment I ask a spiritual question, I'm showing an interest in something that's inside of you that I need to be able to make it. And we can do the same thing with the Holy Spirit. We can learn to ask Him questions. Patsy Caminetti, she said... The Lord told her, ask me questions that I only I know the answer to. Amen. Learn to ask me questions that only I know the answer to. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So we've got to learn how to how to be the student that he had that, that will be able to gain the most from. Our teacher, this is something Annette Cap says that I put in my journal. She said, an answer will come to every question because Matthew 7, 8 says, ask, right? And you shall receive. She says, an answer will come to every question. So formulate your question to invite the infinite possibilities of the kingdom of God. Formulate your question to invite the infinite possibilities of the kingdom of God. So we can learn to converse with the Holy Spirit beyond just petitional prayer. We can learn to talk to Him like He's a teacher. We can, sir, we can come to Him with respect. We can come to Him with the respect for what He knows. We can come to Him instead of banging your head trying to figure out how to make it happen, step back and say, Holy Spirit, will you show me how to make that work? If you've lost something, I'll tell you what. He's really good at telling you where you've lost what you've lost. He knows where you laid it down. He knows where it fell out of your purse. He knows where it is. If you'll just ask Him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, that conversation, the more that you interact the further along he can take you in your understanding. So we've, we've talked a lot about uh, different aspects of how the Holy Spirit helps us, and we're specifically wanting to identify what Jesus taught us about the Holy Spirit because uh, Jesus emphasized these specific things in John 14, 15, and 16 right before he went to the cross because these are significant changes that are about to take place before he goes to the cross. He's letting his disciples know as a leader he is preparing them for these significant changes. You need to know how this is going to be different after the cross. He talked about Their love walk. He said before now you've heard that you're supposed to love the way that you love yourself. But I'm raising the bar. And I'm telling you to love the way I've loved you. He talked to them about the authority in the name of Jesus. And he said before now you have asked nothing in my name. But from this point on you will ask in my name. So he's delegating the authority of his name to them. And then the other thing that he gives a great emphasis to in these three chapters is the difference in their interaction with the Holy Spirit. And we pointed out, I will specifically look at 14, 17, because he says in chapter 14, verse 17, he says, The Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it doesn't see him neither does it know him, but you know him, for he dwells with you. That was before the cross. The Holy Spirit was working with the disciples because the disciples cast out devils, the disciples healed the sick, the disciples cleansed the lepers. How did they do that? The Holy Spirit was working with them. Jesus delegated the the use of, of his name to them, he delegated authority to them, and he said, You go in my name. And they came back rejoicing, and they said, In your name, the demons obey us. And Jesus said, Don't be excited about that because you, this is what really you should be excited about that your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. Amen. But so we know that the Holy Spirit was the one, he's the miracle worker, he was the one working with them in those healings and in those uh, uh, deliverances, the Holy Spirit was working with them and Jesus said, he does dwell with you, but he shall be in you. And so we talked this morning a lot about the fact that, uh, that Jesus emphasized this Change of address, that the Holy Spirit is no longer going to just be uh, on the outside. He's going to live in us. We are the naos, the holy of holies. When he said, know you not that you are the temple of God, that word temple is naos and it refers to the holy of holies of God. Not the outer court, not the holy place, the holy of holies. You, you are the holy of holies. You are the Holy of Holies. He dwells in you. The Spirit of God dwells in us. And He dwells in us to teach us. And He dwells in us to lead us. He dwells in us. We talked about the fact that He will show us things to come. He will show us what belongs to Jesus. And then Jesus reiterated, everything the Father has is mine. And He will take it and show it all to you. He will announce it. The word show means to announce, to declare, and rehearse. He will rehearse it. So just in case you forget part of your inheritance, let's rehearse this. Amen. We're going to do our ABCs again. This is your inheritance ABCs. This is what belongs to you in Christ. This is what the Father has given to Jesus that now you are a joint heir of. Amen. He'll announce it. And you can't see it without him. That's why we have that prayer in the book of Ephesians that says, Lord... I pray that you would uh, open the eyes of their un- the eyes of their understanding being flooded with light, that they would be able to comprehend what is, and then he goes through three things: three things, three major elements that we cannot comprehend without the help of the Holy Spirit, without the Holy Spirit lifting the veil. He said that we would have this that our spirit would operate in wisdom and understanding so that we can know these three things, so that we can know what is the hope of his calling. You can't know that without the help of the Holy Spirit showing you. He has to show you the hope of the calling, the expectation, what's expected of you in the calling, what you have to look forward to because you're called of God. You are all called of God. You're called, and those who answer the call get chosen. If you say, here I am, he's, okay, I choose you. Here I am, I choose you. So what what is expected of me, and what do I have to look forward to in the calling? I can't see it in my emotions. I can't see it with feelings of the natural arena. I have to see by the Spirit of God showing me what is the hope of the calling. I have to have the help of the Holy Spirit. To know what are the riches. Of the glory. Of the inheritance. In the saints. I can't see that. With anything in the natural area. That's a spiritual understanding. That is something that comes by the teacher teaching me. I, you can't understand geometry. Without a teacher to teach it to you. You have to have someone who has already comprehended algebra. We're talking about this. I've got somebody who agrees. The alphabet does not belong in a math equation. (laughs) You have to have somebody who understands and is not intimidated by the fact that there is an A plus B in your parentheses. To help you, calm you down and let you know it's going to be okay. We're going to solve this equation. Amen. Glory to God. The Holy Spirit knows everything. He searches the deep things of God. He knows everything and he will reveal it to us if we're interested. He will show us things to come if we're talking to him. If we don't talk to him and say, Father, I want you to put me out ahead. I don't want anything the enemy does to catch me off guard. Will you put me on a, a, a workout program? Because the Holy Spirit's our trainer, right? The Holy Spirit's our trainer. And 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 the, the reason no weapon formed against you will be able to prosper is because the the Lord will get you prepped and ready. He says that, that no temptation has taken you, but that which is common to man, and with every temptation, God has prepared the way to escape. How do I find the way to escape it? My conversations with the Holy Spirit. He will give me the, the uh, advance notice. He will put me in a. He'll put the right scriptures in me so that when the attack that I didn't expect to come comes. I've already got the answer in me to pull it out of my mouth and say, No, thus saith the Lord. He he will prepare us if we are in this conversation with him. He will show us things to come. He will lead us into all truth. All of these things no one else can do for us but him. The word comforter is a word that uh, we see in this conversation. Jesus uses it often here in chapter 14, 15, and 16. And it is a word that is a um, compound word in the Greek language. It is the word paraclete. You may have heard it it's described before, but it's important to know. And so the, the word para is a word that means side by side Side by side, a partner, or a standby. If a teacher has a para in her class, have have many of you ever heard that word used recently? Just in the last, you know, 15 years or so, a teacher may be assigned a para. That person is there on standby to do whatever the teacher needs them to do. That, that person it will be able to work with maybe this student who needs a little bit of extra help in the reading while the other teacher is able to take the more advanced students in, in a different reading book. So that that para is able to help the teacher with whatever need arises in that class. There may be specific things. Well, this is the Holy Spirit. He is called by our side. He's always with us. He never leaves us. He never, he never says, hey, I'm going on vacation to visit Sarah. I'll see you later. He's, he's, we talked about the fact this morning that he has multiple addresses. He lives in me and he lives in you. And every believer, the Holy Spirit, is resident as an occupant in the heart of every believer. And, and Dave Smart says he can make sure that all of the deliveries get made at all the multiple addresses that need to be made, right? So, thank you, Brother Dave. With the understanding that he is, this is his reason for being with me, his, his calling, that's the other part, paracletos, the second part of that word means called, summonsed, or appointed. It is as holy of a calling as my calling to the office of the pastor. It's the same kind of word that you would use to say I am called into the fivefold ministry. I am called to pastor. It is a holy calling. Men can't call me. To pastor. That's a a calling that God has placed on my life. God has placed a calling on the Holy Spirit to help you. That's His divine calling in life. To teach you and show you. And and reveal things to you. And guide you into all truth. Bring to your remembrance everything Jesus has said to you. Not just in his word, but the things he's spoken to you. Hallelujah. He, that's his calling. That's his holy, set-apart calling from God. The Father has called the Holy Spirit to guide us, to teach us, to lead us, to show us, to teach us. So this calling is Something that he is not only equipped for and skilled in, but he takes it seriously as the calling from God. Remember, Jesus said, if I go to the Father, I will send him. And we see in another place, he says, the Father sent him. So Jesus and the Father sent the Holy Spirit. It is so important to your Creator and so important to your Redeemer that you have the help of the Holy Spirit that they were both involved in sending Him to your heart to live with you forever, to be a permanent resident in your heart, I want him to have the most honorable seat in my, in my heart. Amen. I want him to know I recognize you. I honor you. What you have to say is important. I, I want to learn to ask him first. I want to learn to inquire. You know, when the scripture says in the book of Proverbs, if you'll acknowledge the Lord in all of your ways, he will direct your paths. But if you don't acknowledge, there's no open conversation for the directing. If you'll acknowledge the Lord, He will direct. And the word direct means to unbend or to straighten. (laughs) That would make life easier, wouldn't it? (laughs) If we would just let Him straighten it out before we walk it out. If we would let Him unbend all those crooked Hard to walk places. How do we do that? Acknowledge Him. In all my ways. And so, remember how, how um, Brother Hagin would pray. Somebody asked Pat Harrison, uh, Sister Pat, what was something that really marked you in the way that your dad conducted his ministry? And she said, every year, even though my dad would have things planned out, he would lay his plans out before the Lord and say, Lord... If you want to change anything, if there's any of these plants, I, I feel I, I prayed about them. I feel like they were something that you wanted. But if you need to adjust them, if you want me to take something off the calendar, if you want me to move something, I'm available to change anything. Hallelujah. What was he doing? Acknowledging the Lord. Acknowledging the Lord. Praise God. And, and I, I think if you were to read uh, his book, Plans, Pursuits uh, Plans Purposes, and Pursuits, you'll see why. Because he was in prayer one day. He said the Holy Spirit came on them in a prayer meeting. And he found himself making a circle, a little circle. And then with his arm, he would make a bigger circle. And then with, he, he said, I made a, a very large circle. And I didn't realize I was just doing it as I was praying in the Spirit. And then I asked, the Lord showed him what he was praying out. And he said, you have been going around to the same churches every year, fishing out of a bathtub. Fishing out of the same bathtub every year. I want you to stop going on that route, that routine. And I want you to to open, and that was the, the wider circle. He said, I want you to open up and start having all crusades, all faith crusades. Go to places that other churches will come to. So not in a, necessarily in a local church, but go get a convention center, go get a meeting hall so that other people will come so that you can teach. And then he, he showed that wider circle. He said, everything that you're uh, teaching in the morning, I want you to make a book out of it, out of all those teaching sessions. So he would teach like three weeks at a time, four weeks at a time, in these meetings. And so we, the books that we have of Brother Hagin's. Came as he taught under the unction of the Holy Spirit. In those, those morning sessions. And then he said. I want you to go on radio. And I want you to teach. Which was not something that people did. To teach on radio. We're used to it. We've been through that teaching revival. We're, we still enjoy that teaching revival. And listen to it. But at the time. If you weren't. Ah! Preaching. Uh nobody, that, that was the only thing people knew. And so you can even see Brother Hagin used to teach, preach like that. If you ever looked at the video El Shaddai, he's preaching from one end of the stage to the other like a house on fire. And so that, that when the Lord told him to start teaching, do you see how different that was for him? He argued with the Lord. He said, Lord, it won't work. It will not work. And he said, I'm going to prove it to you, Lord. I'm going to take... He was in a meeting in a church. And he he said, I'm going to teach in the morning sessions. And I'll prove to you it won't work. And he did. He started having the morning sessions. And he said by the end of that first week, those morning sessions were more attended than the evening sessions. Who taught who, right? Who showed who? (laughs) And so he started obeying God with teaching. And so... The teaching brought the light. Glory to God. If he had not acknowledged God and followed that instruction, we would probably not know his ministry the way we know his ministry today. We would probably not have been able to receive the light that we have received from his ministry because he had to walk in the light and change and adjust Those things that he was doing, they were things that he was in such a routine, such a rut. But the Holy Spirit pulled him out of that and gave him a specific design. Hallelujah. And so he had to trust that design and and start walking in it. And that's why we need the Holy Spirit. We need to acknowledge him and teach ourselves to acknowledge him. When I asked this morning... I I am thrilled by the responses, but there was a definite part of Jesus' teaching that was missing from everybody who responded this morning. We talked about how he deals with us in the teaching and the leading and the guiding. But that's not all that Jesus said about the Holy Spirit. Look with me at uh, Acts chapter 1. And let's see what else he said about the Holy Spirit. Jesus said in Acts chapter 1 and verse 8, You shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit, is come upon you. Now, he just said the Holy Spirit will dwell in you. And we have that, what we talked about this morning and in the prior part of this teaching are things that happen as a result of Him dwelling in us, how He leads us individually, how He deals with us. But now Jesus says, not only will He be in you, but He will come on you. you and when He comes on you, you shall receive power. The only people qualified to have the Holy Spirit come upon them are people who have already received the Holy Spirit to live in them. You cannot be baptized with the Holy Spirit if you have not been born again. The only prerequisite, the only requirement for being baptized in the Holy Spirit is that you're born again. There's no other requirement. And you're not required to receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit. I don't see why you wouldn't want everything that God has for you. But there are people, because of wrong teaching or lack of knowledge, who don't want to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. But I see that every time they got people saved in the Bible, the Bible pattern is if you get saved, you should want to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. So that when when Paul encountered... In Acts chapter 19, a group of men who claimed to be saved, he said, the very first question, have you received the Holy Spirit since you were saved? And they said, we don't know anything about the Holy Spirit. He said, what? You don't? Well, under what baptism are you? And they said, the baptism of John. He preached Jesus to them. They received Jesus and immediately... After receiving Jesus, they were baptized in the Holy Spirit and began to prophesy. They hadn't even been saved. You know, they'd been walking in the Word under the teaching of John, but they, they have just, their spirits have just received Jesus and been born again. And in that moment, they received the baptism in the Holy Spirit and not only spoke in tongues, but operated in a gift. That the Holy Spirit brings as a result of the baptism. They began to prophesy. Which is evidence that you don't have to be baptized in the Holy Spirit for 40 years. To to operate in a a, a spiritual gift. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So Jesus said there is an interaction that the Holy Spirit Needs to have in your life. There is an operation of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and when He does, you will receive power. The word power is the word dunamis. Have you heard that word before? It's the word dunamis, and it means force, strength, ability. If you look it up in the Strong's Concordance, you will also find this definition Worker of Miracles. He is the worker of miracles. Jesus did not perform a miracle before the Holy Spirit came upon him. After the Holy Spirit came upon him, we see that the Bible identifies this was the beginning of miracles. So that means that as a little boy, he wasn't healing butterfly wings. Don't be fooled by Hollywood trying to show you Jesus healing these little animals and practicing healing. No, the beginning of miracles happened at the wedding of Cana of Galilee. That was the beginning because the worker of miracles came upon Jesus when he was baptized in water. He came up out of the water and God the Father spoke and said, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased and the Holy Spirit descended up on him the Holy Spirit did the Holy Spirit already live in Jesus was Jesus alive spiritually from the moment he was conceived in his mother's womb yes he had no connection to Adam he wasn't spiritually dead he was alive unto God and that's why at 12 years old he could confound the teachers in the, in the synagogue because when he opened the Bible it made sense to him when he read the scriptures, he said, that's talking about me. When he read Isaiah 53, he recognized, that's, talk- that's my purpose. That's why I'm here. Amen. When he, he, he could understand the scriptures because he was spiritually alive, just like after you get saved, you can understand scriptures too. You may not be able to, uh, you may not speak in thee thou thus, and sayest and doest. Like the King James. But God doesn't speak King James either. Amen. Yeah, praise (laughs) the Lord. You can understand the scriptures because you're spiritually alive after you get saved. In the same way, Jesus was already a, a person indwelt by the life of God. The life of God was already in him. And the Holy Spirit came upon him and He He gave us the pattern. We follow that pattern. We follow that. If you are to are are reading the story of Jesus walking on the water and Peter stepping out of the boat, you don't look like Peter. Not at where Peter was then. Peter wasn't saved. Peter wasn't alive spiritually. If you are looking at that picture at that moment of time, who do you look like in that picture? You're you're patterned after Jesus. So don't identify with Peter faltering. Identify with Jesus helping the one faltering. That's who you are. You're the one alive unto God. You're the one who's equipped with the life of God. You're the one who is, is equipped with the presence of the Holy Spirit in you and hopefully upon you. So, when he said, after that, he said, you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you, he's talking to people who have already been born again. I'm not going to argue this point because I don't think it's the difference between heaven and hell, but there are some people who don't think the disciples got born again until the day of Pentecost. But I I tend to to agree that in the book of John, when Jesus appeared to his disciples after, I want you to go ahead and turn with me, John 20, after he rose from the dead and he came to them in verse 20. We'll pick it up here. When he had said so, he showed unto them his hands and his side. Then were the disciples glad when they saw the Lord. Then Jesus said to them again, Peace be unto you, as my Father has sent me, even so send I you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said unto them, Receive ye the Holy Ghost, whosoever sins you remit they are remitted unto them, and whoever sins you retain, they are retained. Well, why would he tell them to receive the Holy Ghost in 22, and then in the moments before he ascends to the Father, this was a conversation that took place in the room, that he walked through the door, walked through the wall, right? Right? He walked through the wall, and he appeared unto them, and then he stayed with them for a number of days before he ascended. Well, Acts chapter 1 is the moments before he ascends, and he looks at them and says, Wait for the promise of the Father. That's back in verse verse 4. Wait for the promise of the Father, which you have heard of me. For you, Verse 5, you'll be baptized with the Holy Ghost. What was the promise of the Father? You'll be baptized with the Holy Ghost. What's the promise of the Father? You will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Why would he tell that to people if they already received it in John 20? That experience. I'm not calling the Holy Spirit an it. I'm talking about the experience. If they have already received that interaction with the Holy Spirit in John 20... The evidence of what they received. Let's look at, at Luke 24. Jesus, this is also the conversation that we saw in Acts chapter 1. This is just how Luke wrote it here in this. Uh... uh Writing, He says, Jesus said in verse 49, Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. So there is an experience with the Holy Spirit that you have not received, and I need you to follow my instruction because I will send... I will send the promise of the Father, which we saw from Acts 1, is the baptism in the Holy Spirit. I will send him upon you, and you will be endued with power from on high. Go on down. He led them out as far as Bethany, lifted up his hands and blessed them. And it came to pass, while he blessed them, he was parted from them and carried up into heaven. And they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy. Oh, they had joy? Joy. How do you get joy? It's not happiness. It didn't say they had great happiness. It said joy. How do you get a fruit of the Spirit if you're not born again? You can't have joy without being saved. So he says they are saved, but these saved people need an interaction with the Holy Spirit that will provide power. You'll be endued with power, he said in Luke 24. Acts 1.8, he said, you shall receive the worker of miracles after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. Why? Because you're going to be a witness to me. And you need the power to be a witness. The the indwelling of the Holy Spirit is to help us live victorious lives. The fruit of the Spirit comes to all of those we are, are filled with and can develop and cultivate the love, joy, peace, long-suffering, meekness, temperance, faith, the fruit of the Spirit is for our lives to be victorious. But the power that comes as a result of the baptism in the Holy Spirit is for us to be a witness, is for us to operate the power just like Jesus received the Holy Spirit. If Jesus needed the Holy Spirit to come upon Him, he was doing it as a pattern. He was doing it to show us this is how you need to do it. You need to cooperate. It says he was led of the Spirit into the wilderness. He was directed of the Holy Spirit. He was guided by the Spirit. How did Jesus know which man to heal at the pool of Bethesda? The Holy Spirit showed him. He didn't go in there and have a pool of Bethesda healing service and heal everybody at the pool. He said, I only do what I see my father do. How is he seeing his father? Through this relationship he has with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit was showing him. Remember we said this morning, the Holy Spirit says, he will not speak of himself, but what he hears, he'll tell you. So here's the Holy Spirit hearing from the father and showing Jesus. Hallelujah. Operating Both with the working of the Holy Spirit in us to teach us, to guide us, to lead us, and the power of the Holy Spirit upon us to be a witness unto God. We want to be balanced in it. We don't want to be like, I want the power, I want the power, I want the power. Oh, God, give me the power. Let your rain fall on me, give me the power. If you're not grounded with some fruit, that power won't have longevity in ministry. Amen. We want to have the, the love, the joy, the peace, the long-suffering because if we don't have the character of God, we're going to be short-lived in our operation of the power. So we want to have balance. But we, wanna, we want to have proficiency in both interactions with the Holy Spirit and and the same here's the interesting thing the way he teaches you about where you lost your keys is the same way he teaches you how to respond to him and give out a message in tongues the same voice you'll you'll recognize that's the same one who showed me where my keys were that's the same way he felt it, it, that's the same way I recognized him speaking to me when he told me how to fix this part on my car. When he told me what to take out of my diet that was causing that pain in my joints. And now he's, it's the same voice of the Holy Spirit and he's telling me to give out a message in tongues or he's telling me the interpretation. He, it, 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 they work together. He works the same in, with us personally and with us in ministry for Him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Jesus said, I will send the promise of my Father upon you and you will be endued with power from on high. Let's compare it again to Acts chapter 1. Because... After the day of Pentecost, we see that the church emphasizes not just one, but both. Not just one interaction with the Holy Spirit, but both. He says, wait for the promise of the Father. We don't have to wait. They had to wait until the day of Pentecost was fully come, Acts 2.1. That's what they were waiting. They didn't know they were waiting on that day. They were waiting on God's timing. And God's timing just happened to be when the day of Pentecost was fully come. They were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. And it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire. And it set upon... These were all people who were already saved, and the Holy Spirit is now coming upon them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Every time that you see the Bible refer to them being filled with, and we would also use the word baptized with the Holy Ghost, you will see in either a blatant uh, 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 description, a specific description, or a reference that that they spoke in tongues. So if people say, well, I'm filled with the Spirit, but I don't speak with tongues. You have the indwelling of the Spirit if you're saved. But if you are filled, baptized with the Holy Spirit, the evidence of baptism in the Holy Spirit is speaking in tongues. Bible he says they were filled and began to speak with tongues how about if we compare that to Acts chapter 8 because some people are are compromising because of the uncomfortableness that they may have about speaking in tongues and I remember the day I thought you know I had no Bible I had no Bible knowledge and I had no church background to speak of other than uh, the, the little bit of church I had gone to with my grandparents at, when I was a little kid. And, and sometimes I visited the Baptist church with one of my friends from school. So I had no background about church and what was in. So I thought it was weird that they were raising their hands in church. I'm like, although I was the crazy woman in the bar who stood on the table and, and they had to keep me from taking my clothes off and crazy things like that. But I thought it was too much that y'all are raising your hands in church. My goodness. And then the pastor's wife started dancing in church. Like, what is she doing? And I looked around, and other people, yeah, they like this. So speaking in tongues was very, I thought, you know... Here I am thinking, y'all hear from God, what? Hear from, you mean God spoke, God spoke to you? <laughs> and they said, yeah, I was praying and the Lord spoke to me. I'm like, God, whoa, God spoke to you? You know, it's almost you want to go, doo, 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 twilight zone kind of moment. And now they're telling me, you need to be filled with the baptism of the Holy Spirit and speak in tongues. I'm like, whoa, 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 breaks time out, breaks, what, what, speak in tongues, speak, it, you need this, that, that's what they, you need to speak in tongues, you need this, are, are you sure, trust me, you need to speak in tongues, so I remember the, the, the intimidation, I remember thinking this is weird, I remember thinking this is this is these people are a little bit far out. When people take that, it's because they haven't seen these scriptures emphasized the way Jesus emphasized them. Jesus said, "You need the Holy Spirit." Jesus said, "I will send the promise of the Father." So the the pro, the the Father promised that we would have. The baptism of the Holy Spirit. And Jesus sent him to be upon us in a way that we could be witnesses unto him of his power. Of his healing. He gave gave us the worker of miracles to be a constant companion. The baptism in the Holy Spirit. It was important to Jesus and important to the Father. And so when we see here... That the Bible, the New Testament emphasizes if you're born again, we need to get you filled with the Holy Spirit. Let's look at Acts chapter 8 because uh, in Acts chapter 8 and verse uh, 14, we see that uh, Philip, the evangelist, had been in Samaria and there was a great revival going on in Samaria of people getting saved. They were burning books of witchcraft and sorcery. I mean, they were all in for God. And verse 14 says, When the apostles, which were at Jerusalem, heard that Samaria had received the word of God, so they're saved, they got saved in Samaria, they sent unto them Peter and John, who, when they were come down, prayed for them, that they might receive the Holy Spirit, for as yet he was fallen upon none of them. Now what is it that they haven't, what what interaction? They're saved, and we know if you get born again, the Holy Spirit resides in your heart. You are born of the Spirit. That which is born of the Spirit is Spirit. We read it from John 3 this morning. So the Spirit is in their heart, the holy spirit lives in them they are the temple of god but as of yet the holy spirit has not fallen upon do you see the upon again upon that the holy so now we know how how we we are a blessed church we are a blessed church that we have many experiences where in worship or in the word or in times of prayer the holy spirit he falls upon us. We welcome him falling upon us. We, 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 we uh, are, are not people who are going to resist the way that he falls upon us. And we've even appropriately made some changes from the way other people do things to try to make him even more comfortable. Like, we don't clap. Have y'all been to churches where they clap a lot? And they'll come here and they're wondering, like, why don't they clap at that church? Well, it's not a scriptural emphasis. Only one time does it even put clapping with people. In the book of Psalms, it says, clap your hands, all ye people. And then it says, shout unto God. It didn't say clap to God. It said, shout unto God. So the people clapping their hands was not necessarily praise or worship. It was the way that they got the, have you ever seen a, a group of Marines? Hoorah. The group of Marines and they're getting themselves all hyped up, or maybe football players and they're getting themselves all hyped up. They're in the locker room banging their heads against each other. Ooh, oh, 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 and they're, they're trying to we're we're working ourselves up. Well, they would do that in battle before they went out to battle. They'd clap their hands and they'd stomp their feet and they'd give them it's not worship to God. And so for people to say, give a clap offering, I see a wave offering. And that would do, they were taking their offering and waving it before the Lord. So if you go over to China and you've got your nice new hundred dollar boots on and you say, I'm going to just march right in their house. They're not going to listen to much of what you have to say if you insist on wearing your shoes in their house because it's disrespect and if people insist on clapping in the presence of I would, why would I clap for God when that's how I would respond to a government official I would, not, I would not look at a government official and lift my hands to them and say welcome to our church service today no, this is only for God. This is only for God. I wouldn't lift my hands to anyone except Him. This is only for Him. This is not the greatest way to honor God. So that's why we don't clap. Because I'm not about making you feel good. I want to make Him feel welcome. Because if we have church without Him, we have wasted our time. <laughs> we church without him he is the the one who's bringing us into the light and providing us the the understanding we want him to be welcomed that's why i don't listen to things that's why i know how to hit the mute button quick or i just don't even go there there's some stations you just don't go to right because you know the commercials are going to be raunchy. So just don't even go there. Why? It's not religion in a way that, oh, you're, you're under so much bondage. No, it's liberty. I love Him, and I need Him in my life. And I don't want Him to have to endure listening to anything that is going to offend Him. I want, hey, the Holy Spirit lives here. We're not going to have that. Playing in the background. Right? Hallelujah. Why? Because I love him. And I want him welcome here. I don't want him to have to draw back. I want him to have the freedom to fall. In my home. And so fall upon. He said uh, they, uh, they went to pray for these people. Because as of yet the Holy Spirit had not fallen. Now I want you to circle that word 15 the word receive in, in verse 15. Acts chapter 8 verse 15. they, they, they did. Now Jesus said, Terry, Terry, wait for the promise of the Father. But that was the last time anybody was told to wait. From that moment on, they went to help people receive. So we're not waiting for the Holy Spirit. Now, he has already been made available. He's already been sent. He's already been poured out, as uh, Peter used that phrase when he was describing. He says, what you see and hear, this is the Holy Spirit who has been poured out upon us. What were they seeing and hearing? People speaking in tongues and, and moving under the weight or the, under the, the Holy Spirit had come upon them and they were acting like they were drunk. Because they were under the influence of the Holy Spirit. He said, what you see and hear is the Holy Spirit has been poured out. Hallelujah. So, upon them. Up until this point, the Holy Spirit had not fallen upon them. So what did they pray? They prayed for these people to receive the Holy Spirit. They prayed, and it says, when they laid their hands on them, verse 17, they received the Holy Spirit. Now, we're going to compare this because it's not required that you have hands laid on you to receive. Sometimes that helps because people who have received the Holy Spirit can help you receive the Holy Spirit. They were praying for them, sent specifically to pray for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. And I'm telling you this because we are going to have new believers come into our congregation and we can't wait every time for the pastor to preach on the Holy Spirit. We need every person in every seat to know how to help somebody receive. To know how to help somebody, to know how to explain. If they look and say, I don't think I need the Holy Spirit. You can say, Jesus said you did. Is Jesus your Lord? Well, yeah, I received Jesus. Well, Jesus said you need the Holy Spirit. Jesus said you'll receive power after the Holy Spirit. He specifically told his disciples, are you a disciple of Jesus? Right? And so you need to be able to know where these scriptures are. You need to be able to know how to explain it. And then you need to be able to pray with them to help them receive. And this is where a lot of people stop. They'll say okay. And they'll lift their hands. And they'll close their mouths. Well it didn't say the Holy Spirit did the talking. It said the Holy Spirit gave them utterance. They spoke. They spoke. As the Holy Spirit gave them utterance. So if, a, if you're praying to help someone receive the Holy Spirit. The first thing Is give them scripture. Preach it to them. Take them through these verses. Let them see it in the word. And then when you get ready to pray for them. Tell them. You will use your mouth. And the Holy Spirit will give you words to say. He will come upon you. And you will respond by speaking. And so if your mouth isn't moving, he's not going to jerk your tongue and start making it move. He's not going to grab into your mouth and start making your tongue move. You're going to have to yield to him and participate with him and speak. You will speak. He'll give you the words to say. Hallelujah. Because that's where a lot of people, they're waiting on him and he's waiting on them to uh, to unwrap the gift. Open the gift. Receive is our part. Receive. You don't have to wait anymore. All you have to do now is receive. You don't have to even beg him or talk him into it. He is available for every believer. It's the promise of the Father that we be baptized with him. So every believer, this is part of your inheritance for you to have the baptism in the Holy Spirit and be endued with power from on high. Put on power like a coat is what the word endued means. What if every believer in every church would put on the Holy Spirit the way that God designed for us to all put on the Holy Spirit and walk throughout their day, walk through Walmart with their, with, endued with power, pump their gas endued with power, Hallelujah. How much more would the Holy Spirit be able to accomplish if we were participating with Him more? Because in the same way that He's not going to come down and do the talking for us, He's not going to do the laying on of hands. He's a para. You know, one of the greatest definitions for the word paraclete is a coach. Anybody watch a football game today? Were any of the coaches on the field playing? They're not? They can't, they can't play on the field? The coach is not allowed on the field. And the Holy Spirit can't do it for you. He's your coach. He'll tell you all the plays to make. He'll tell you the right play to make against the enemy. He'll tell you the strategy that you need to use. He'll tell you what scripture to use. But he can't can't quote your scripture for you. He can't make the declaration for you. He can't take the stand of faith for you. He'll walk you through every step and coach you through it. But he's not allowed on the field for you. But he'll do it with you. He'll be right there on the sideline and say, do this. No, right here. No, change that. Different strategy. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He he will work with us. And that's why when it says in Mark chapter 16, the Lord working with and confirming the word they preached with signs following. The disciples went out preaching the gospel. And the Lord, how did the Lord work with them and confirm? With the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. The Holy Spirit is there working with to confirm the word that's being preached. So when we see this, that our part is the receiving, or if we're helping someone, I want to show you Acts 10. In Acts 10, they did not have anybody lay hands on them. In Acts chapter 10, again, we see someone saved. And filled with the Holy Spirit in in that progression. But they didn't have hands laid on them. This is Peter preaching to the Gentiles in Cornelius' house. Cornelius and his family. Peter had been sent by a vision God gave him. Telling him. That not to call unclean what God calls clean. And then the Holy Spirit said to him, There are three men going to come to the gate. You go with them. And so he goes with them to Cornelius' house. He's there preaching. And he's preaching how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil. He preached Jesus crucified and raised from the dead. And as he's preaching, verse 44 of Acts chapter 10, while Peter yet spake these words, the Holy Ghost fell on all them which heard the word. So they're hearing the word. And why are they hearing the word? They already want to be saved. So as they're hearing the word, they're accepting Jesus and what he did for them, and they're saved. And in the same instant, almost immediately following their being saved, the Holy Spirit falls on them. And what happens? What do we see? It says, they of the circumcision which believed were shocked. They were astonished. As many as came with Peter because that on the Gentiles also was poured out, poured out on them, poured out the gift, Of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Ghost. For they heard them speak with tongues. So here's our second evidence of the pattern. If you are filled. With the Holy Spirit. The gift. The promise of the Father. If you're filled. You will speak with tongues. They heard them speak with tongues. So we have Acts chapter 2. They got filled with the Holy Spirit. And they spoke with other tongues. We've got here. That they spoke with other tongues. In our previous uh, Acts chapter 8, there's a reference to it. It doesn't specifically say. It says uh, in Acts chapter 8, they received the Holy Spirit. And Simon saw something. Simon the sorcerer, he saw something that made him know something different had happened to them. And he wanted what they were able to do when they prayed for people. So there's a reference to it. But here in Acts chapter 10, we see a specific mention that they were filled with the Holy Spirit and the evidence of that filling was that they spoke with other tongues. Why is that important? Why is that important that we speak with tongues? When I first came to this church, there were some people here that only thought that happened occasionally, and that you had to have one of those really good services. And, they, and that was the only time that they spoke in tongues. They didn't speak in tongues in their house, that, that, and, and they were sharing that as they were learning these things that we're teaching that they, even Brother Hagin, Brother Hagen said when he was first saved in, in the Pentecostal church, he was first saved in Bab, Baptist church, came over into Pentecost after he got filled with the Holy Spirit, but he was still being taught that you can only, you can only speak with tongues if the Spirit comes on you in, in, a, in, a, in a demonstrative way and he said i was reading the scripture one day and i saw in acts chapter or in 1st corinthians chapter 14 that says i will sing in the spirit i will sing in the understanding i will pray in the spirit i will and he stopped he said whoa what you mean i can will to i can by choice pray in the holy spirit and he said i'm i'm going to pray for a whole hour and he said immediately the enemy started on his mind you are wasting your time. You are just gibber jabbering That's how Brother Hagin would say. You're jibber-jabbering. You're just wasting your time. You're just making a lot of noise. You're not, he said, you mess with me, I'm going to pray two hours. And, of course, the enemy constantly coming against his mind. So he kept going. Two hours. He's praying in tongues. He hadn't been taught you could do this. He's just saw in the scripture that says, I will. I can, by choice, choose to pray in tongues. So I'm going to. He said, two hours. And he said, still the enemy coming against his mind, you're wasting your time. And he said it was, you know, looking at the clock and like it's only been 20 minutes. And, you know, he said his mind bombarded with these thoughts that it's not working. You're not doing anything spiritual. You're just wasting your time. He said, I prayed three hours. Into his fourth hour, he said, I hit a gusher. He reached a place... And the Holy Spirit began to speak through him, and he saw some things about the healing revival. He, 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 began, he moved over into a place, and here's what I wanted, want you to see. He said, it never took me four hours to get back there again. Amen. It never took him that long to get back to that place. So when we're, when we're cultivating this relationship with the Holy Spirit and we're partnering with Him in prayer, speaking in other tongues, speaking in tongues, He's able to move us into some things and show us some things and to pray some things through us. And, and when we stop and we come back, then, come back later on in the day, we can pick up. We, we can move into that place in the spirit and not have to make it something that's hard to get to every time. But we can learn how to step in. Let me show you this before we close from Romans chapter 8. Because I need you to see the value of cultivating this lifestyle of praying. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands, but I want you to ask yourself. Do I pray in tongues every day? Ask yourself. Don't lift your hands. Just ask yourself. Do I pray in tongues every day? And if your answer is no. Then ask yourself why not? If you have been equipped and and privileged. Privileged. With this ability in prayer. Prayer why would we let it sit dormant in our lives? Something that is so vital to us in our interaction with the Holy Spirit. Remember, He's not going to force Him. He's not going to wake you up in the middle of the night and force you to pray in tongues. He's not going to interrupt your day. You're going to have to make yourself available to Him and, and, and cultivate that lifestyle of... Of yielding to the Holy Spirit. Romans chapter 8, verse 26. Likewise, the Spirit also helps our infirmities. The word infirmity does not mean sickness, this word means weakness. The amplified can you show me the amplified of verse 26? The Spirit helps, comes to our aid and bears us up in our weakness. Oh, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> what is the weakness He helps us in? What is this weakness specifically? You don't have to guess. It's in the verse. What is the weakness? We don't know what prayer to offer or how to offer it worthily. As if you're praying for your Adult children, do you always know the details of what needs to be prayed? For your children at any age. You don't know all the details. He knows what needs to be prayed. There are, there are, we, he will not, he will not in prayer do what we should do in our knowing. It's not his job to take authority if I know to take authority. It's not his job. He'll tell me how. He'll prompt me to do it. But there are things I need to pray. If, but when I come to the end of what I know to pray, then I reach my limit, that area where I am lacking. He's come to bear me up in that. So I am never at a disadvantage in prayer. And if I've got the ability in prayer, I've got the answer. This is the confidence we have in him. If we ask anything according to his will, we know he hears us. We know we have it, right? And he bears us up when we don't even know what to ask for correctly. He comes to our aid in what area? In the area to pray when we don't know the specific detail of what to pray or how to pray it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. But the Spirit himself goes to meet our supplication and pleads in our behalf with unspeakable yearnings and groanings too deep for utterance. So this is referring to speaking in tongues. When I am praying in tongues, the Holy Spirit is helping me. Remember, he's alongside the help. Have you ever had your car break down and you got to push it off the road? And you got to get out and you got to push the car. It's helpful if somebody stops and, and, and comes and helps you push the car. The Holy Spirit, He's there doing the heavy pushing. He's like, you steer, I'll push. Amen. You get in there and steer, I'll, I'll push. But He's not going to do it without you. He's not going to do your praying for you. You've got to be the one praying and he'll pray through you. That's a privilege that we don't want to leave dusty and unused in the closet, in the counter, on the counter, or in the cupboard. No, we want to have constantly engaged the help of the Holy Spirit so We should be praying in tongues not only every day, but throughout the day. Why can't you pray in tongues while you drive? That is one thing that will not distract you from from the road. You don't have to look down. You can keep your eyes on the road and pray in the Spirit. You can pray in the Spirit while you fold clothes, while you wash dishes. Ask me how I know. Because I do it. I thought, I'm not going to just sit here and let my mind rotate on things that are just useless. So I might as well utilize this time to the best of my ability. I'm going to pray in tongues while I fold this laundry. I'm going to pray in tongues while I vacuum this floor. I'm going to pray in tongues while I chop these vegetables. I'm going to pray in tongues while I wash my dishes, while I sweep the floor. Whatever it may be, might as well let him have, have some say-so about what's going on hallelujah so the uh, Wes translation says in verse twenty six likewise the spirit lends us a helping hand. He lends us a helping hand. When uh, it says concerning uh, th- that we know not what we should pray for as we ought, the Wees translation says. For the particular thing that we should pray for, according to what is necessary in the nature of the case, we do not know with an absolute knowledge. But the Holy Spirit is praying that particular thing. A particular thing that needs to be prayed in that situation. And we don't know it with our knowledge So that means there are things that I can do that I don't know how to do them in prayer if I'm letting him pray through me. And then it says, he that searches the heart knows what is the mind of the spirit because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. So when you're praying in tongues, you're praying the will of God. Whatever he is uttering with your voice is God's will. And if it's God's will, we know we have it. If I've prayed in line with God's will, nothing's going to stop it from coming to me. I've asked, I receive. Why? Because I've asked in line with his will. I know I have it. Right? So we should bring our faith to praying in tongues. Don't pray in tongues without your faith. When I'm folding my clothes and praying in tongues, I'm not praying in tongues with my mouth and thinking about uh, something else with my mind. I'm praying in tongues and focusing here while I'm, I'm giving more attention here and then by routine folding the clothes, by routine washing the dishes, by routine doing some of these natural things. But my attention is on what I'm sensing in the Spirit, what the Holy Spirit is showing me, what I'm—if if He wants me to stay with that, if I need to stop what I'm doing and get on my knees and pray that out completely, if I'm—I'm—I'm I'm, I'm focused right here. Why? Because there are particular things that I'm—I'm I'm covering. There are things that are the will of God, and then I bring my faith to it. I've prayed in the Spirit. So, Father, I believe I receive what I just prayed. I believe I receive that. I don't have to know it to believe I receive it. I I trust him. I trust that what he just prayed through me was the perfect will of God. So, thank you. I receive. I receive what it was I just prayed. Hallelujah. According to Mark 11, I believe I receive. Amen? Amen. And then he says, we know that all things work together for good to them that love God and to who are called according to his purpose. And many times people have used that to explain tragedy. They use it at a funeral. They use it at at, at, uh, uh, counseling for, for people that, I don't know why this happened. Well, listen, all things will work together for good. That's out of context. All things didn't work together for good for those Israelites who fell in the wilderness. All things didn't work together for good for the people who rebelled against God and wanted to build the Tower of Babel. Right? All things don't necessarily work. What's the the context? We've prayed in the Spirit. How's all things going to work together for good? The Holy Spirit prayed it through me if if and is a conjunction verse 28 and we know and is connecting to the fact that i have prayed according to the will of god with the help of the holy spirit particular things that i didn't even have the natural knowledge of but i have prayed them from a place and a seat of authority as a believer with the help of the Holy Spirit, and because I've prayed in the Spirit, God can cause that to work out for my good. Amen. So how many things could work out better if we're praying in the Spirit more? Why? Because we're acknowledging Him, and He is, with the help of the Holy Spirit, unbending and directing and straightening our path. Amen. All things work together for good. The Amplified says, God being a partner in their labor, all things work together and are fitting into a plan for good. How is God a partner in my labor? The Holy Spirit prayed the will of God through me. Not for me. I had to participate with my voice. I had to participate with my spirit speaking the words That he is giving me. Hallelujah. We need to make this more vital, important to our time. About. Oh, I don't know, maybe two months ago. It may have been closer to like four weeks, four to six weeks ago. Um, I started getting up with Pastor when he gets up, and we started praying together and spending that time just praying in the Spirit together. And he said, I've seen a marked difference in the spiritual activity in our lives. And I noticed specific instructions. Specific things the Holy Spirit needed me to do for our ministry. Specific changes. Things that I've been praying about for two years. For instance, I've been praying for unity. I'm going to say more than two years. Would you say three or four years? How many of y'all have been praying with me for the unity? How good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. Praying for the unity. And the Lord, as I began praying in the Spirit in the morning with Pastor I, the Lord began to, and, and it's not like lightning bolts and and, oh, and like something dramatic, but it just, the thoughts will float up. The wisdom just kind of floats up in my spirit. I'm like, oh, oh, I need to, and, and the specific instruction, make that change. Change this. And I was talking with, um, Sister Annette Capps, and and just sharing that with her. And she said, it's interesting how you can make some natural changes. And it'll affect the spiritual flow so much. But the ability to know to make those natural changes came as I was praying in the Spirit. Because of that time, that extra time spent praying in the Spirit, I've been getting more answers and more specific instruction of of what needs to happen of something that I've been praying about and calling for but and and part of it is the timing I believe and then part of it is something that the holy that the I can I can look back and see where he may have impressed me to do that before but I didn't stay with it until I got a specific about how to do it Brother Hagen he said uh he had this impression of, of someone being thrown from the car. This was before seatbelts were a requirement. And he said, You had to, you had to dig to even find the seatbelt. Nobody used the seatbelt in the car. And so he said to his wife, They were going back out on the road. They had been in town for a couple of days. And he said, Put your seatbelt on. And she said, What? Seatbelt? She dug around and she found that. Why am I putting my seatbelt on? He said, I just have a sense. He said, I had this sense, but because we were getting ready to go back out on the road, I just I, I just kind of touched it in prayer. And then I thought, okay, well, we'll be safe. We'll put the seatbelt on. He said, I didn't pray it out. I didn't, I didn't take the the investment of time and attention. To go and get with the Holy Spirit and pray out. Why are you showing me that? And he said um, about three days later he got a phone call about his niece. I believe it was a niece. Who had been thrown from the car. The Holy Spirit came to him and needed someone to pray it out. And he had to repent to God. Because she lost her life unnecessarily, if he would have just picked up on that prayer cue and given the Holy Spirit time to pray that out through him and verbalize it in the Spirit, he could have stopped. There are things that when you pray in the Spirit, you don't even know the rescues that people are getting because you're praying. We don't have to know. Sometimes when you feel that you're praying for somebody and you're praying something important, just stay with it till you get that note of victory. Stay with it till you get that note of victory. Pastor Nancy Dufresne says she was uh, putting, fixing her hair, putting on her makeup one day, and she just remembered one of her cousins. And the cousin's name just came to her, and she said, I just, I just thought that was for me to... I, she said, I just, I just moved over into the memory of the last time I had seen her at a Thanksgiving dinner or something like that. And I just thought about, wow, it's been however many years since I've seen her. And she said, I didn't didn't follow that prompting. The Holy Spirit brought her name to me. And two weeks later, I found out that she had died. And I thought, when my mom told me, she said, when my mom said, do you remember your cousin so-and-so, I just heard that she passed away. She said, oh, the Holy Spirit brought her to my heart so that I could pray for her. And I missed it. Those promptings, those um, things that sometimes people consider to be random, you're too spiritually alive for that to be coincidence. Don't, Don't let... Don't let your natural mind kick that out and move it over into a place of oh, oh, that was just coincidence. Just even if it is something natural that triggered the memory, go ahead and pick that person up and pray about them. Lord, is there anything you want me to pray about them? Do I need to spend some time in prayer over them? Hallelujah. I'm going to share this and then we'll close. I remember I was a part of Fresh Oil Fellowship. We've been connected with the Dufranes ministry for a number of years. And I remember Pastor Nancy talking about how, and if you've ever listened to any of her teachings on prayer, I, she was talking about how the Holy Spirit impressed upon her there was somebody in the fellowship. She said, I just had this sense that, uh, that death was trying to attack this family. And so she said, I stood against that death, and I stood against it in prayer, and she, she stayed with it, and she stayed with it. She thought she was praying for somebody in the fellowship. And she said, I could see. It was like the picture they use of a grim reaper. And she said, I could see it in that house, and I would just come against it, and I would come against it, and I would come against it. And finally, I, I said to the Lord, Lord, show me specifically. And the Lord said, pray for the family. And so she said, even though I wasn't able to change everything, I changed as much as I could in that situation. And I prayed that the family would walk through that with nothing hindering them and that they would not be affected by that in any way. She had no idea she was praying out for her family. And when Dr. Dufresne moved to heaven, and there. Church and their church family walked through that and came out in the glory. Came out with their church strong. They didn't lose. The people in the church didn't fall apart. The church didn't fall apart. The ministry didn't fall apart. The finances didn't fall apart. They have excelled. But that was preceded by prayer. How did all things work together for her good? We know where Dr. Dufresne is. He went before his time. But we know where he is. But how did all things work together for their good? Because she had prayed in the spirit. Things she didn't even know she was praying. That helped her sons through it. That helped her through it. She said when it happened, it was just like a protective bubble came down over them. Supernatural. How God walked them through. That didn't just happen. There's a lot of people who walk through the hard way. And are are grasping for the peace of God in the middle of it. Why? Because they didn't take the time to pray. I'll tell you, the Holy Spirit does not want you to be caught off guard about anything. If If you'll stay close to Him in prayer, He'll put you ahead of every financial situation. He'll put you ahead of every physical attack. He'll put you ahead of things that you don't even know that the enemy is going to try to attack you with, and you can walk through it victorious. He'll help us. But here's our part. We've got to participate in prayer with him. We've got to converse with him. We've got to have this relationship, and we've got to give time for him to pray through us. So do you pray in tongues every day? If, If no... Why not? If yes, can you pray more throughout the day? Can you give more time? Because the more time you give him, the more he can get done. The more time you're praying in the Spirit, the more the Holy Spirit's getting done. If you only give him 15, you know, how far can you go from this church if you only give me 15 minutes in the car? Some of you can't even get home if you only give me 15 minutes, right? If I say, okay, you got 15 minutes in my car, are we going to get to your house? Or are you going to be walking the road? I'm going to put you out and say, okay, that was 15 minutes, you're out. So if we only give the Holy Spirit 15 minutes, how far can he go in our situation? There are things that he needs a little bit more time, especially if we've not been giving him very much time. He's like, I need more time to pray that out. I only got, I only covered, you know, the first part of my case here. I only was able to make these first adjustments. And you're going to stop. Don't stop right now. Come on, let me pray. Let me give you the utterances. Because he can't, he can't pray those things without you. He can't do it while you're asleep. Holy Spirit, you got me. Pray for me while I'm asleep. Hit the snooze button. No, he's not going to do it. It's not going to happen. He needs your... Spirit, uttering the words He gives you. Stand with me to your feet. I've helped somebody. I've given you some answers. Answers have been passed out tonight. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you for the help the Holy Spirit brings to us. We thank you for the privilege of speaking in tongues. We thank you, Father, that as we pray in the Spirit, we are praying the perfect will of God. As we pray, we are praying mysteries. And we're speaking to you. And Lord, we consider that an honor and a privilege. And we will give more time to letting the Holy Spirit pray through us. Say that with me. Father, I submit my will to this privilege of praying in the Spirit. I will give you more time in my prayer life in Jesus name amen if you were-